Among the many tributes and tales remembering the Queen that have been spoken in the last week, I wonder if you heard the story told in Parliament by the former Prime Minister, Theresa May. She spoke of how one day her husband had had a vivid dream that he was sat in the back of a car that was being driven by the Queen and that his wife was in the front passenger seat. And then he woke up and discovered it wasn't a dream at all. The Queen was driving the car. I guess we have all had dreams that we ponder going, was that real? Or was that while I was asleep? Maybe we ask ourselves the question, well, what was that all about then? When we first lift our head off the pillow, what caused me to dream that? And it's been suggested over the years that Jacob's dream at Bethel is partly stress-induced. He is, after all, on the run from his ever so slightly older twin, Esau. Esau used to being out in the field a bit more muscly, a bit stronger, a bit hairier, is rightly arced by the fact that the young sibling has cheated him out of his birthright as well as their father's blessing. Jacob's mental state, however, does not in itself account for the dream. If it was purely his mental health that caused this vision, then perhaps lying down to sleep would have given a nightmare. But instead, along with the angels ascending and descending, a peace of God speaking to him bringing a hope for future generations to his children and to the world is what happens. All people on earth will be blessed through him and through his offspring. I imagine that as Jacob had given lentil stew to Esau, and later donned hairy sleeves and fed his father Isaac some game, his thoughts lent towards owning flocks of sheep and being wealthy, having power, influence, a name for himself. But the true nature of the birthright and blessing were the transfer of the promise made by God to Abraham for children as many as the stars in the sky, and that those children would be God's people. This promise by rights was Esau's, the eldest son of Isaac. But it is now Jacob's. But in the dream, God has met with the cheater. 
And Jacob awakens a different man. And he also views the place that he was in differently. He erects a monument calling it Bethel, the house of God. I wonder how we view the places that we live and work and shop and meet friends. Do we consider them to be a house of God, a place of God's presence? As he laid down for the night, Jacob had been somewhere, a certain place, between Beersheba and Haran. He didn't choose it. It's simply how far he'd got when the sun went down, when it became nighttime. This is what we might consider the middle of nowhere. A wilderness place called Luz, whose name suggests that there were almond trees. But that no one offers him shelter for the night, which would normally have happened, says that there, there's maybe a bit of a question mark over whether it is inhabited at that time. Lying down for the night, under the stars, a stone for a pillow. I'm not sure this is quite the wealth that Jacob had hoped for when he cheated. He can simply rest his head on a lump of rock. He is truly alone. And yet by the time he wakes up, he knows he is not alone. We are never alone. The dream shows that even in our loneliest place, God is there. When tired and night has fallen, God is there. When we realize the consequences of our life decisions haven't taken us where we wanted to be, God is there. Even when we think the whole world is against us, God is there. God dwells with us. Jacob found himself in the most barren, ordinary location, surrounded by the darkness of night, and yet this was a place of God's presence and light, a place of worship, a place of exaltation, a place where he would find hope. It doesn't matter that we might travel through open, windy, wet railway stations. God is in that location. Whether it is the first time we have ventured somewhere or it is the place we work five days a week, God is there. Whether it's the place that we sleep at night, God is there. Wherever we are, day or night, when we are behind closed doors or gone out through the door, out into the world, God is with us. He's with 
those that are rejoicing in their friend's wedding. He's with those who are mourning the loss of someone dear to them. He's in the ordinary daily routine and he's with us at the time of great change in the nation. Throughout time, God has laid out for his people different ways of coming to worship. Through Moses, the idea of the tabernacle, a tent that they could carry with them. Later in the days of Solomon, the temple, places of prayer and worship. When we read our Bible, we see many, if not most encounters with God, are not actually in those structures. They're in a more ordinary place. Wherever the individual is at that time. Moses sees the burning bush and heads towards it while he is out herding the sheep. Young Samuel is at the temple, but he's not in the worship space. He's trying to get his head down when the Lord keeps waking him up. Elijah hears the still, small voice while hiding in a cave. God sent angel Gabriel to Mary in Nazareth, a place not known as anywhere special, such that later Nathaniel says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? And God took Philip to a roadside where an Ethiopian official is traveling in a chariot. And so the gospel spreads. And God is encountered all over the place. Over the summer, since May, through in the hall, we've been putting red dots on maps showing where we live, where we go, where we work, or otherwise encounter people who may not know God. These are the places the LICC call our front lines. The front line of each one of us is probably different. In the location of each dot, we each reflect something different of God. But what's more is that in those places, God is already present. Each of those places is a Bethel, a house of God, a house of worship. We need to open our eyes from slumber and see that these places are places of God and places of encounter. When we go to the ordinary places of life, God is there. When we remember that we are God's people in that place, others too can discover that although they were not previously aware of it, the Lord 
is there. Let's help people awaken to discover that they really are in the presence of the King of Kings, that they are loved and that they may have life with a new fullness. Let it not simply be a dream, but be reality. Amen.